Welcome to the CCUPC Cunning Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. This week, we're taking a deeper dive into 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 14 through 22. We are still in the rollout of the new mission tag. We've got a couple more weeks uh, for that, uh, for the church, expanding Christ's community through worship, discipleship, and relationship. And this week, we talked about worship engagement. Uh, and so we, uh, we threw the congregation a curveball. You couldn't hear it in the audio. If you could, good for you. Um, <laughs> but we threw the congregation a curveball this week. We, we rearranged the format of the sanctuary. Um, we have a sanctuary that is like every other sanctuary. It is long, um, but we have pews that move. And so in the midst of this, uh, or in the, in what we were doing, we we changed it from a forward-facing sanctuary to a center-facing center sanctuary, easy for me to say, <laughs> um, so that the communion table was in the center, and there were four sections then surrounding the communion table. Um, changing something <laughs> at a church. Pastor Dina, how did that go? Um, I thought it was kind of great. Um, of course, we, we ran into some logistical snafus I, I compared it to we had the privilege of building our house so we designed it and you know drew up the blueprints and watched it be built changed things as we went and still when we moved in and actually lived there we were like oh wait didn't didn't see this issue here or mm. you know it's not until you live into something that you can really fully evaluate it same is true for our new setup but um but it was really neat because I didn't realize how much I didn't feel like a part of the congregation until I was surrounded by the congregation. So it had a, a different feel. Yeah. So we were we were on the center. We were in the center close to the communion table then. Um, and uh, instead of still, some people wondered whether we were going to still be at the pulpit and mm -hmm. then kind of preaching to the congregation. We were in the center of the congregation, preaching out towards the congregation and, and leading from the, from the middle. Yeah. And I didn't have the privilege of preaching, but I did get to pray. And so as we read prayer requests, of which there were 20, I think, this week. There were uh, quite a few. Um, it was It was nice to make eye contact. It was nice to orient my body towards the people that we were talking about in the moment. Um, it felt more like community prayer than me leading the prayer. Yeah. Um, and the, the same with the singing. We were surrounded by the voices. People were singing across to each other. And so we could, I think we could hear each other better and it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, and the doxology particularly, I noticed, I thought we sound really good. And I didn't, <laughs> I, I don't get that when I'm 20 feet away, up four steps, I hear myself and, and you, um, and we sound <laughs> <Sorry>. fine. <laughs> we know, I mean, we sound fine, but it was neat to hear the variety of, of voices and, um, harmonies, harmonies. Yeah. It was just a really really different kind of worship. And then again, serving communion, my hope is that that was one step closer to feeling like a family meal instead of feeling like a ceremony, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, because, I mean, as, as we talk about it, the the 
communion really is supposed to be a foretaste. It's a sacrament. It points, it does remember backwards. It tells us about present realities, but it also is to be a foretaste and, and it's to be a, a fore symbol of of what is to come in the kingdom of God. And so the the wedding banquet of the lamb. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I made the crack. Do we, the, the one time, do we really think the wedding banquet of the lamb is going to be like everyone sit down and be quiet? Yeah. Yeah. Face in the same direction and pass the, you know, pass the hors d'oeuvres down the aisle kind of thing. No, I, I picture more of like a, an Anglo-Saxon like banqueting hall. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe not that dark, but yeah, but kind of the general like here's all the food and, and yeah so. yeah and the, and the celebration aspect of it um so it was really neat and as you know as a part of the reason we did that the reason we changed up the sanctuary one just for fun it's fun to keep people on their toes but more importantly as we talk about worship um this week's theme was how we engage yes in worship and so we wanted to change it i use the example with the kids you know when you're on vacation you notice things totally different and um hey look at that tree look at that stream we have streams and trees where we live too (laughs) or you when kids are playing at a friend's house like all of a sudden this toy is the greatest and you know the parents like you have that toy you haven't touched it in six months why why all of a sudden here is it the very best thing you've ever looked at ever we had the exact experience of that Although opposite at times, just a couple weeks prior, we were on vacation in Maine Mm -hmm. and um, it was Katie and me who were, who were going around saying, look at these trees, look at the, look at this river, look at the, uh," so on and so forth. And it's also usually me. Yeah. And so our boys were a little bit like, uh, we live practically. So our house is practically in a forest Uh and they're like, we have trees, like we've cut down trees, like, come on. Um, but then when we got to a relative's house, uh, they started, they had a wooden train set nearly identical to what we have. And it it was so funny because the boys got it out and were just going to town playing with it. And, um, Katie looked at me at one point and said, well, I guess it's time to get the train set out. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. And so that idea that when things are different, when, when you change things, so they don't feel as familiar, you notice new things, you engage in a different way than, um, than when, when things are always the same week after week and here's where we sit and here's when we stand and here's when we sit and we sing these words then. Um, and so we, that was kind of the purpose to, to engage in worship in a different way to, and to be reminded that it doesn't always have to look the same to be worship. And I, that's a gift that COVID taught us. And yet there's still that at, at the end of COVID, which was, different you know different timing for every church as we came back into buildings people wanted it to look and feel the way it did in march of 2020 um and and struggled when it when it didn't for a variety of reasons that you know this congregation here very literally could not go back to who we were in march of 2020 because we had had some transitions in staff and um in 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 addition to all the modifications that had to be in place we um when we came back into the sanctuary and and that was hard to reckon with yeah because we long for that comfort but that comfort i think sometimes can dull us to what worship was meant to be yeah um 
it, the the most common word I got immediately following the worship service was connection, mm-hmm. which I think is is fantastic. If we are trying to be the people of God, if we are trying to be one people, um, then providing that connection helps helps us actually live into that. Mm-hmm. And it was fun to hear the different ways people referred to that connection. For some, it was kind of like you and me, like, hey, we feel like a part of the congregation. And then mostly in jest, but then you hear some people say, oh, man, I really had to pay attention. I couldn't fall asleep because people would see me if <laughs> yeah. I did. Well, I had that feeling on the on the front row. I said it out loud that I was nervous, but I, I suddenly every and I said it at the beginning of the sermon, too. Like, yeah, I'm surrounded by Presbyterians, but like very much it was real. Like I'm surrounded by people. Yeah. Which after nearly 10 years in the ministry, I'm not used to being surrounded during a worship service. Yeah. I noticed too, and and both my husband and my mom separately, my husband said, were you coloring on your iPad the whole time? I was like, no, I was taking notes. But, you know, at home when we're watching TV or whatever, (laughs) I'll I'll color or, you know, play some silly game. And then my mom yesterday, we were making cookies and she said, what were you, what were you writing the whole time? I was like, I was taking notes for our podcast. Um, And so, yeah, even like all of a sudden it's like, oh, people can see me. Yeah. You know, I have to I have to look like I'm paying attention. Um <laughs> which I do anyway. But um yeah, so so there's a familiarity and a and a visibility that wasn't there before for better and for worse. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so it 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 does then dovetail into that engagement question that that um Second Samuel really brings up. I love this text because I love how uncomfortable it makes. Yeah people feel like i love how uncomfortable it makes a traditional white mainline church uh-huh. like yeah that was that was old testament time oh yep. but it's worship <laughs> yeah i know it reminded me like nothing is so awkward as when you know a mostly white mainline congregation tries to like clap along with the music or try, you know someone calls us out of our comfort zone and it's just awkward and we're not on the beat and it's like oh we would have been better to just not do this yes <laughs> a- a- unless you're being led by someone like uh harry connick jr who, yeah who actually if you can go youtube this um he had a he had an audience that was clapping a good white audience that was clapping on one and three at his <laughs> concert and he added he added a bar of five four in oh. and switched them oh my goodness to it, two and four and it probably just fell apart no. Oh, they, they they got it. He just did it, and yeah, no, it was fantastic. It, but that's it, anyway. So uh, that I digress. But that's that's engagement where there's the interplay. Um, but the engagement of our entire selves, because we are very, um, you know, I grew up in a tradition that was very straight laced, very sing the hymn, very all the note. Like even if you look at, if you look at a piece of choral music, particularly hymns even the notes all line up mm-hmm. like, cause that's the style. Um, and, and what David is showing us is something that is far more fluid, something that is far more organic and something that is far more engaging. Um, I mean, I just, I, I mentioned it in the sermon, but this, the, the word that underpins his, his dancing is this, this twirling, whirling, leaping, like I, I can't even imagine it kind of, yeah. What came to my mind, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, there's a fantastic video online and it's 
it's um, Stephen Colbert doing a King of Glory liturgical dance, and it's oh, no. fantastic. I have not seen that. Um, you know, yeah, you can look that up. Okay. But um, it, it's leaping and twirling, and, and of course, it's, it's in jest because he's Stephen Colbert, but right. it reminded me that, that it was not dignified. It was not, you know, not even the way we've made it, like, you know, step and sway or arms around each other and sway, that it, it you know, David's dancing was just born out of his heart yeah um which is not i think i think little kids get that you know when they when a song comes on that they love and they just can't not dance they can't not wiggle around yeah um but but somehow we train that out of them really quick well, and I, I made fun of pastors because, you know, we go to seminary and get the emotion beat out of us through <laughs> yeah. dry, dusty theological books. I remember in my undergrad that you were never to use the phrase, I feel yeah, about anything, especially not in a paper. You know, I feel that this argument is the, the best argument. No, uh-uh, we don't feel anything. Well, and especially when it comes to God. I feel yeah. that God, no. Yeah, nope, don't, no. Mm-mm. yeah. And so it, it like that's that is something and that's what I tried to because really emotion is king in our society. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at everything that that is kind of common, uh, even a phrase, let, you do you. Yeah. I mean, whatever feels right to you, you do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think one, we're in a tradition, the reform tradition, we are already uh emotionally skeptical yeah um we are a a knowledge-based education-based tradition Mm -hmm. you add on top of that just kind of the fallout of of the 60s and the 70s and the church's reaction to that in the 90s and 90s and early 2000s and 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 we have just kind of gone further and further into our castle in terms of like, nope, we cannot trust any emotion. Yeah. Um, except that really, in a large way, goes against how we were created. Yeah. We were created as integrated beings, it's, mind, body, and soul. It's interesting. I'm listening to a book currently about um, middle school girls and their anxiety, and which which plagues girls, adolescent girls, much differently than it does boys, although it, it does apply broadly. But the, you know, one of the pieces of, of advice, so to speak, about how to help girls manage their anxiety is to acknowledge it. Mm. And, and for so long, it feels like we, we in the church and, and in society in general, well, you shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't be experiencing that. And, um, but just to acknowledge like, yeah, this is upsetting. Okay. Now we can deal with it. And I was thinking about all those things as I was thinking about in the sermon, you asked, what are we holding back from God? Why are we holding back? And and you had mentioned with McCall, did other people disappoint or her needs weren't being met? Um, But it kind of reminded me of the way, the way sometimes we present ourselves to God and, are we holding back because God has disappointed us because God hasn't acted as we had hoped. And yet somewhere in our brains we think, but I'm not supposed to feel that way. And so Mm, now I don't know what to do. 
you know, I can't trust my emotion. That must be the sinful part. I should just trust God's plan and all things work together for good. And we don't fully dance like David in joy or weep and mourn and fall to our knees and cry out to God and say, also like David did in the Psalms, you know, cry out to God and say, what in the world? You know, my heart is breaking. I'm a mess. I still want to worship you, but praise is not it right now. Yeah. Well, and the the phrase that you had had mentioned earlier, um, not while we were recording, was that everything happens for a reason. We'll we'll default to that one as well, Um, which, you know... I commented that's that's really us trying to rationalize an irrational, usually an mm-hmm. irrational situation. Yeah, um, and we have to realize uh, to paraphrase um, uh, 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 a thought leader, Kevin Kelly, we're not going to rationalize something that was gotten into irrationally. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're not going to reason our way out of a situation that didn't happen reasonably. Yeah, yeah, and I know Kate Bowler addressed that in a book called everything happens for a reason and other lies I've loved. And um, <laughs> she was a seminary seminary or college professor. I can't remember um, looking at prosperity gospel and, and some of these mm. kinds of promises. Well, if you just believe enough, everything's going to turn out the way you want it. And then in the midst of that, as a young woman, I don't think she's much past mid forties, even now. Okay. And this was probably eight or nine years ago. She was diagnosed with, uh, with colon cancer. I believe oh my. and had some radical surgeries mm. and, and she's still producing some great stuff in the midst of it. But to hear her journey through this life changing, scary diagnosis and, and the number of people that, that said things along the lines of, well, everything happens for a reason or, oh. you know, um, it'll all be okay in the end kind of stuff. It was fascinating. It was, it was a, it was a good listen. I, I listened to it in the midst of the pandemic um, so I, <laughs> that's so a good book yeah. to listen to in the pandemic. Um, and because of that, some of the, some of the details are sketchy, but I'm currently working through a devotion that she wrote, um, that, that still kind of, that's definitely very much her personality and her perspective of what do we do when, when things are broken around us, when, when we do get that diagnosis, when we do encounter struggles and frustrations, how do we praise God in the midst of that and balance joy and suffering and hope and despair and, and how, and I, to bring it back to where we started, I think, I think we, we have not been given great tools to deal with the emotions that come with living in a broken world. And I, I think at least for, for some of us, that's what's holding us back from truly worship worshiping god and experiencing joy in worship and i think i think sometimes that's what leads us to pick on the forms of worship the kind of music the the seating format yeah more than than addressing like no this is a problem because i am having a hard time worshiping god not because the seats are in a square instead of rows right now right yeah and that's as you're as you're talking about that what it's making me think and 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 kind of what I think we need to to get our head around is the fact that that if we if we deny these parts of ourselves if if we use bad theology to to really push these things down mm-hmm. and not bring them into our relationship with God 
um, then we have to understand that 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 false a false understanding of God and of ourselves is going to lead to false worship mm-hmm. because either we're not wash, worshiping God or we're not bringing ourselves one yeah. of the two. Um, so. Because you look at some of those, and even just look at the the logic in some of it, like, what what does it say? Like, oh, everything happens for a reason. You take my situation. Mm-hmm. Like, God wanted a six-year-old to lose his father? Yeah. There's nothing good about that. Like, There's... that's abhorrent. Yeah. So, uh, and then God wanted, God wanted me to be orphaned at 35 yeah. as I'm burying 70-year-old's parents? Yeah. No. Like, let's think about the theology that we're espousing there for a second. Um, and and it doesn't mean that we have to have everything perfect. Right. I don't want to say that. Um, and, and I would actually drop back on what uh, I quoted last time or the time before, Dick Halverson, when he said, bring all of you, all you know of yourself to all you know of Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what we're talking about there. Like, yeah. if we know that we are... If we know that we are struggling with the fact that, like, uh, some people I've talked to, like, I have a master's degree. I can't get a job in my field. Mm-hmm. Like, why Why did I go through all of this? If you know you're struggling with that, bring that up that you know of yourself to all you know of Christ. Yeah. And not only to all you know of Christ, but to all you know of the community of Christ. I know... I've talked with more than one person that said, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to come to worship because I'm afraid I'll cry. But it, you know, if the community is functioning the way it should, as we talked about, um, last week or two weeks ago, that Mm -hmm. idea of that worship edifies us and, and, you know, the community of Christ should be able to take this crying mess of a person and hold them up and yeah. say, it's okay. We've got you until you can stand on your own again. And that time will come like it won't always hurt this bad. And until then we've got you and we're holding you and we're supporting you and we're loving you. Um, yeah. Because I mean, what's the theology behind that? Well, I need to get myself together before I actually go to God. Mm-hmm. And before I present myself to the community of God. Right. I've, I've got to seem like I have it all together. And it, and it, no, it's we we each each week we bring all of ourself into. Now uh, that gets into that could get us into questions like, well, should we have dancing at at uh, yeah. at our worship service? And there there are some people that I don't know that it would be glorifying to God if no. if like me, I don't think it would be glorifying to God if I started to dance. Um, and and it gets into questions like clothing and so on and so forth. Um, you know, and I think we've got to answer that question and and say, like, bring what you have of yourself where you are. If if you feel great and you and you feel like dressing up to match that, and, and mm-hmm. then then bring that. But if you are just barely rolling out of bed because that's the strength that you can muster right now, mm-hmm. please bring yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and I always, and as I lead prayer, I try to lean heavily on the idea that we're not going to surprise God. God isn't saying, huh, didn't know she was struggling right now. Um, (laughs) That, you know, God knows us more intimately than we could ever fathom. And so it's okay that we reveal that to God. And I I think it's okay that we reveal that to 
the community of God too, not so that we're bleeding all over the place all the time on people and, and unloading all of our trauma. I mean, I think we've all encountered people like that too. <laughs> um, you know, we have, it, it's a, it's a relationship in that you find support and you offer support and you receive support and you receive support and, and it's a, and it's a delicate balance. Um, but, but again, that idea that, that as we bring ourselves to worship, that, that even, even the, the false things that we put on for the benefit of other people, God sees right through those. God knows our hearts. God knows that we're just standing because everyone else is around us is standing and not because we're so moved in worship. Um, that, and that's a vulnerable thing to mm-hmm. think about too, to bring, Defer- bring yourself broken to well, God. Well, and definitely as a community, that is something because we have not fostered that emotional mm-hmm. maturity, that is something that would have to be fostered over time. Yeah. Like that's not a <laughs> no. come next week and be emotionally healthy. Right. Uh, you know, that's, we can't do that. But I think that's a, something that a, a congregation can aspire to over time. Yes. And that's part of bringing our full self is, is allowing that full range of human mm-hmm. emotion um, to, to be present and to be okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, I know before, as we were talking about where we would go with this podcast, we talked about the promise that that Christ's power is made perfect in our weakness and how how freeing it might be to lead it, lean into that, even in relationship to our worship, that when we bring our whole selves, when we bring everything we've got, whether that's just getting out of bed or whether that's, you know, Sunday best is the phrase yeah. you use, you know, whether that's hearts dancing, like, like David, that, that whatever we bring, Christ is made perfect through what we can't bring that, and, and yeah. that we're made perfect as well, that, that our broken heart presented to God is enough. Our joyful heart presented to God is enough. And God is glorified through that, whether we're weeping or dancing not that those two things are ne- necessarily mutually exclusive, but right. where, however we come, God is glorified in the midst of that when we come honestly and authentically and um, with our whole selves to God. I'm, uh, it, what you said in that, two things about the, the scripture, how I think it connects really well, is, um, first of all, uh, both of them having to do with David, David, the fact that David can say to McCall, I will, yeah, from a human's perspective, I was undignified Mm -hmm. and I will get even more undignified in my own eyes. Yeah. Um, And, and that's the, the fact that he's willing to say like, I, I have nothing to reserve here Mm -hmm. from, from the worship of God. And of course he doesn't say that theoretically. He says that, he says that as the David who was out in the field defending sheep and, and fighting off wolves and, yeah. and lions and whatever it is and, and writing out there, uh, like I said in the, in the sermon, you are my shepherd. Mm-hmm. I, I shall not, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, um, 
I will fear no evil because yeah. you're with me. Yep. But the other thing is, um, you know, even in this passage, if you look at the larger context, just prior to this, David had already attempted once to bring the the ark mm. into Jerusalem. But he put it on, they had it put on an ox cart, which was, if you know the story of the Ark of the Covenant, it had very specific instructions on how it was to be constructed, mm-hmm. but also in the way that it was to be moved. Mm-hmm. And it was to be moved with two, uh, I want to say Asherah poles. Um, mm, yeah. And, and I'm not sure if that's the correct term, because that's registering to me as, a, as actually a foreign god, uh, Asherah. Um, but it was to be moved yeah. with two poles and people carrying it rather than it being on an ox cart. And, um, the, one of the, the people tending the ox cart, the cart was going to fall. He puts his hand out to stop the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> from falling. <laughs> Typically what you would think of as a good idea, except that's not what you're supposed to do. You can't mm. touch the Ark. Um, and so he was struck down. Mm. And David's upset, and so he actually sends the Ark of the Covenant to someone else's home. Oh, wow. He sends, he sends it to uh, to the home of Obed. I can't think of it, and I don't have it in front of me. Um, but um, he, he sends it there because he is upset, and he doesn't want the responsibility, basically. He doesn't want to screw things up. And it's there for three months, and what... Uh, Obed Edom. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yep. I knew it was a place, uh, a, a location name. Um, and what happens is God blesses Obed Edom while the ark is there. Yeah. <laughs> and so David tries again, except this time he does it the proper way. Mm. Um, and 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 I think that connects in the fact that if if we aren't bringing ourselves, if we aren't doing things properly, like we have a lot of freedom. We want to bring ourselves authentically, but if we aren't in proper relationship, that's where bad things happen. Yeah. And I think of the many stories throughout the Old Testament where where we, we tried to rush the promise or people tried to make the the promises of God come about their own way and it didn't go well that they were conquered or, you know, all sorts of, of bad things happened where God was like, wait, nope. You're not following the plan. And so yeah. my glory is not coming to you yet. And and that yet was a really important part of it because eventually we saw them come into the promised land, even if it looked different yep. than what they had planned. We saw them conquer the lands around them, even if it looked different than how they had wanted to do it themselves and yeah. wanted to rush in. And um, so to me, this is another example of that and and maybe the same is true as we engage in worship too that we can't it's not it's not something we do our own way i mean you can't curate the perfect playlist or the perfect form of worship or the perfect seating arrangement to say boom this is going to make it happen right um that that we have to we have to invite god into the promise into the process of worship which Sounds like it should be a no-brainer, but, <laughs> you know, sometimes gets left out. We get so hung up on how things are going to flow or, you know, even as as people who lead worship, who's going to say what and in what order are we going to say it? Right. And who, you know, what words are we going to use to do it um, that that we forget to present ourselves Or we're in worship. so concerned 
about the way we want things mm-hmm. as, as someone who has been in the pews, like we want things a certain way. Yeah. Um, and in some ways I feel that intensely when I'm on vacation because I'll visit other churches and I'm mm-hmm. like, I get four chances a year to, to be a worshiper. Like, yeah. So make it good. Yeah, exactly. And it gets into that kind of consumeristic mindset where, where we can, where our engagement actually isn't about God. Our engagement our engagement is about isn't about bringing our full self our whole self our integrated self to god but our engagement is about consuming what am i going to consume yeah and does it make me happy and was this was this a chocolate mousse cake with you know yep. with truffle shaved on top or you know and and, and we get yeah yum hmm. <laughs> it's lunch time oh yeah. okay sorry <laughs> uh but or is it junk food and i'm upset yeah and i think I do think maybe because I, I try to think the best of people, even though that even knowing that we're fully in a broken world, <laughs> I do think that people latch on to something that helped them experience God once. And I see that through mm. the mission conference I lead. I see it through different youth retreats and camps. Like this was so meaningful to me and I felt God in this format. And so certainly this format is what should carry us through and I think God is calling us again, which part of the reason we switched up the sanctuary, God is calling us to open our minds and say, I am not like, you know, it doesn't have to be a dark sanctuary with these six songs playing, or it doesn't have to be organ music, or it doesn't have to be guitar music. It doesn't have to even be, be these acapella. Pr- yeah. It doesn't even have to be these particular words that I am so much bigger than any form of worship you could come up with. And so come to me and worship and then we'll, the, the form will figure itself out and it will shift. And, and, and that's what, and I think too, as you were telling the story of David again, I realized like that was individual worship for him. Even though the, the slave girls saw him, he wasn't doing it for their benefit. He right. wasn't doing like that in that moment of worship. It was not in community. It was individual, individually presenting himself before God. We certainly have lots of other examples of him worshiping within the community of God too. But I think too, that's a reminder that, that maybe our worship individually does look different than our worship in the community. And that's okay too, that, that maybe individually we can let the tears flow more freely, that we can dance or, or kneel or raise our hands in a way that we don't feel as free to do in other situations. And that's all right too. So I cut this part out from the, from the the scripture reading. And so I guess it could hit the cutting room floor, but David is actually leading the procession of the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. Oh, okay. So this was not individual. This was way out in the open. Okay. I misread that then. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, because I had cut that, that, that part of the context off. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, so he, but in that sense, he is, it it is individual though. Still, he is worshiping before the Lord, Mm -hmm. but he's doing it as a, as a representative okay. of the people. And so in some ways, it what you say still stands. He's still individually worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the, as the corporate, as the federal head almost, yeah. which anyway, but, um, but yeah, there, I still think there is a lot of room in, in, in. Yeah. And I think even if this wasn't it, we do have examples throughout the Psalms where we're clearly, David was was worshiping God 
individually as he you know as these psalms come out they i mean they many of them read like very personal prayers yeah um but yeah i didn't realize that it was all part of a parade that makes the whole dancing naked thing a little a little more scandalous yeah i <laughs> guess know? i should have mentioned that yeah. so that hit the cutting room floor okay <laughs> Um, but what you were saying about the forms and like the fact that, that we would, I think that goes to the fact too, why God never presented an image for himself and Mm -hmm. said, don't make an image for me Yeah, because then we would get fixated on that limit. Yeah. That, that limited image of, of who God is and not actually then be able to understand, not that we can understand the immortal invisible god only wise to quote the mm-hmm. the, the old hymn um and so i think that that connects there the 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 reason we're not given a particular form is is in part that 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 warning against idolatry that comes to us through the the ten commandments mm-hmm. yeah lots to think about as we engage in worship hopefully in new ways and with a different mindset Again, I think it's important to kind of think about why we do what we do instead of this is what we always do. Yeah. And this is when we always do it. And this is the form it takes. And this is the length it is. And this is the way the seats are. And, you know, when we mix it up, when we engage in different ways, I think we get a broader view of God. I know my heart felt very different after leading worship in this new format than it than Mm. it has for a while that again Mm. that connection that being a part of the congregation that intimacy um, in some ways it felt smaller but it also felt bigger Bigger. like there were no less people there and maybe especially after doing that after coming off of worshiping in our parking lot where people were way spread out yeah yeah that to to have that closeness felt small in a good way yeah so yeah and and you talk about the thinking about why we do things and i think on a personal level too that's part of the reason why i did include mccall Mm -hmm. um is that that it's important to think about the why that's 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 underneath the what um i i heard that uh um uh, i heard a different sermon actually tim keller talking to a doctor um, who said that that in medicine you never just treat the symptom you never just treat the mm-hmm. pain without finding out the underlying cause but every patient wants you to treat just the pain yeah make me feel better they don't care about the why mm-hmm. but whenever we go to worship and we have moments that where we want to say no no and we want to withdraw we want to re- you know recurl from um from uh from engaging in worship i think we've got to have that what and 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 then we've got to say why am i Mm -hmm. recoiling from worship why am i recoiling from engaging in this Mm -hmm. um and it could be as simple as you know i've never done it before i'm scared i might mess it up yeah something very simple but it could also be something about like I said about our control, it could be something about our desire for, you know, I I want, I want control. I want everything in my life to be planned out. And, and yet God is not that way. And so we struggle to worship a God who might 
shift from left to right without us being ready for it. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's important to understand those whys and, and to really understand what's under the hood of our lives and to, Mm -hmm. to come to an understanding of who we are, because then we're able to bring more of ourselves to more of what we know about Christ. Yeah. And that's only going to enrich our relationships and our discipleship. When we understand more about ourselves, when we're honest with ourselves about where we stand with God and how we're, how we're connecting with God in, in each individual moment and situation, then, then we can, then we are in the position to carry other people through that. You know, when you can say, I've thought about this, I know I recognize what's going on. Of course it's different for each person, but you're, you're more able to say, I've got you in the midst of this. And I can promise I can bear witness, which is a phrase we use in the church a lot. We bear witness to who God is and what God has done. You know, we can bear witness to what God has done in our lives with the idea that that will give you hope for your life as well, which I mean, that is the root of relationship. That's the root of discipleship, bearing witness to what God has done and, and helping other people to know about that. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of good things. Uh, mm-hmm. I think lots of things that could shake us. Um, and, and that's a, probably a good thing. Yeah. A, a lot of, a lot of ways that, that I think maybe we're missing out on worship. And mm-hmm. David reminds us that there is so much more, so much more. Yeah. Um, even if we're not wearing a linen ephod. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> please. <laughs> um, so any, any final thoughts there, Pastor Nina? No, I mean, the, again, this is a week. I'm sure I will continue a, a weekly worship service that I will continue to reflect on both on the sermon and on the experience of it. Yeah. We had committed when, when asked, how long is the sanctuary going to be like this? Cause that was, that was the question on the mind and hearts of a lot of people. That was the worry. Um, you know, we had planned to have it that way last Sunday. That was it. No plans beyond that. We, you know, we were going to, that was all the further we had planned. And then the session, the the leadership of the church said, we kind of like this and there's more to explore there. So we're going to stick with it for another month. And again, with no plans to necessarily put it back or Nothing no, committed. No, no plans to necessarily keep it the way it is. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll spin everything around again and come up with something completely new. We haven't planned on any of that. So I I have one good idea a year. So (laughs) that was it. That was it. Um, But I'm I'm excited for the chance to continually to to have a few more opportunities to worship in this format when the newness wears off a little bit. So some of the jitters of how are the ushers going to collect all the prayer cards without zigzagging back and forth that kind of thing um, and live into it and see how it feels a bit and, and see how that changes our connection with God. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, yeah. So if you, if you get a chance, if, if you're listening, if you get a chance, go to our YouTube page mm-hmm. um, and you can actually see the difference uh, between uh, August 20th and August. Oh gosh. It would have been July 31st. August 6th. No. Cause we were in the parking lot the 6th and the 13th. Oh yeah. Okay. So July 31st. So just, well, and on the recordings, it would have been just the August 30th and the one recording prior to that under the live tab. Yeah. So you can see the way that we've changed things up. 
So you can comment and and uh, send an email or 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 whatever you might uh, want to let us know there. Yeah, and if you're a part of our congregation or we're visiting us, let us know how you engaged in worship this past Sunday. What you liked about the new format? What what the barriers were? Because I mean, we're not blind to the the reality that there yeah. any change brings barriers. Any any format we come up with is going to bring barriers. But let us know how it how it sat with your heart and your experience of worship so that we can keep reflecting on those things too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good word for for this week. It's been a fun week in terms of of having a new worship format and mm-hmm. and uh, all that that brought and it was it was a much different experience and a very worshipful experience I might add. Yeah. Um so that was wonderful. Um all always if you found this episode helpful, would you please leave a rating and review? And share it with others uh, so that they can discover it more easily. Whatever social media platform you are on, whether you're on Instagram, Snapchat, or Threads, or X, or whatever else might be out there, uh, go ahead and, and share this so that other people can can uh, engage in, in the discussion about engagement. Um, <laughs> Also, click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. That way you get updated whenever we release new episodes. We really appreciate it. Um, But until next time, I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And we hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.